Welcome to our special Monday edition. Today, uh, one of our special guests returns, of course, is Remy Adelike. He has a new book coming out, I believe, to, well, is it the audiobook or the book dropping tomorrow? It, it's been, uh, there's been a lot of delays in getting this all. There is the book. It's Chameleon. He, of course, is a former Navy SEAL, author of the new book, Chameleon, and he is a writer, producer, actor, director. He's done a lot of stuff. He also kicked my ass in the uh, Jordanian desert. On uh, <laughs> Susan laughs every time I say that. <laughs> uh, in the, the Special Forces program that he and I did. And uh, he's here to talk a little bit about, amongst other things, uh, organ tr uh, harvesting. And uh, there's you know, sort of a lot in the news these days about child trafficking and organ trafficking. And uh, the rest of the world has caught up to Remy and his concern about this issue. He actually was involved in fighting this phenomenon. So he has deep insight and he has created books and movies on this topic. We'll talk about that after a quick break. Our laws, as it pertains to substances, are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic. Because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell do you think I learned that? I'm just saying, you go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it, I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. There are three steps to great-looking, glowing complexion in the summer. Of course, apply sunscreen, stay hydrated, and use the amazing skincare products from our friends at Genucel. Most retinol creams are not recommended for sunlight, but Genucel's Ultra Retinol uses a powerful plant extract retinol. It's an alternative called Bacuchiol, which helps the skin stay hydrated, smooths out fine lines, without harsh side effects, and it is safe to use outside under your sunscreen. Genucel works so well, you can see the results in this unplanned live moment on our show when the Redness Repair Cream repaired my skin in just minutes right before your eyes. And Susan and I love Genucel so much, we created our affordable bundles at up to 72% off of our favorite products at genucel.com slash drew. And just for the summer, every subscription includes a customized summer spa gift box absolutely free. I know I'm a snob about the products I use on my face. Everybody knows it. Every time I go to the dermatologist's office, they're just rows and rows of different creams. And then when I get to the counter, they're overpriced. All kinds of products that you can all find at genucel.com. See what's in our bundles. Get ready to show off your summertime skin. Go to genucel.com slash Drew. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash D-R-E-W, genucel.com slash Drew. And remember to use the code Drew at checkout for extra savings. I suspect you've seen Susan and I gushing over Paleo Valley products. We love the taste and how well they fit into a paleo-based nutrition regimen. They're delicious and we use them for travel all the time. But there is more. We are huge fans as well of Paleo Valley's grass-fed bone broth protein. It comes in three flavors, unflavored, vanilla and chocolate. It's a powder you can add to really anything. We add it to coffee literally every day. Smoothies, baked dishes, just hot water dissolves really easily. The bone broth protein is made with 100% grass-fed and finished bones that are free from pesticides or antibiotics and are slow simmered to extract as much collagen as possible. As we age, collagen breaks down. That's what wrinkles are. And research shows that there are significant benefits to adding a collagen source in your diet. I don't think it's too much to say it's changed our lives. And Susan is now reporting that after drinking the bone broth for a few weeks, 
Her hair is stronger and longer, and nails are stronger, too. Try it for yourself. You can order at drdrew.com slash paleovalley and use Dr. Drew at checkout to save an additional 15%. And I think those of you who are fans of Rami Adelike have heard him tell his story before, but I'm, of course, going to make him tell it again, as I do every time I bring him on my various uh, outlets. But he is a former Navy SEAL. He's, a, as I said, the book, the film, The Unexpected, uh, exposes the true story of human trafficking victims. In that particular case, an international organ harvesting ring, something that Ramey was involved with uh, fighting. He writes, obviously, Chameleon. Oh, this is a great part of his story. I'm going to make you talk about it when you, when you bring him in here, about how his mom made him write uh, something I did not know and how that is paying dividends today. Please welcome Ramey Adelike. Hey, how's it going, hey, man. everyone? Welcome <laughs> back. So t tell them... Tell them the the I, I want to get into human trafficking much more this time than we have yeah. in the past. As I said, you you've been a you know you've been way ahead of the curve on being concerned about this, particularly as it pertains to organ harvesting. But I, I'm you know it, to me it was such a revelation that it was that significant of a phenomenon. But when you mention the the economics of it, it starts yeah. to make sense, and we'll, we'll get into that in a few minutes. But I'm going to make you sketch your story again, and but focus on your mom making you sit down and write. That was a new part of the story I got that I think okay. is so interesting, and it it's paid some serious dividends for you. So let's hear it. All right. So I'll kind of rush through the front part, and then I'll uh, get to that, and I'll stop there. So I was born into a very wealthy family. My dad was a very successful uh, engineer and businessman. He engineered one of the first man-made islands in the world, which is, exists to this day. It's known as Banana Island, uh, but it was uh, known as it was he, the name, the original name of it was Lagoon City. Um, so when I was born, I was born into a lot of wealth and prestige, and then I inherited the title of uh, Adeleke, which means in Yoruba means uh, the crown is supreme. And uh, unfortunately, in 1987, the Nigerian government stripped my dad of, of all of his assets, including Lagoon City. They renamed it to Banana Island. My dad went to go fight them in the court system. He died three weeks later, mysteriously. We went from very rich uh, to poor, and my mother, being an American, brought my brother and I back to the United States, and we grew up in the Bronx. I'm actually in the bedroom right now that I grew up in, so my mom might pop in at some point Wild. to say hello when she gets back. <laughs> oh, my God. I would and, love uh, that. That'd be fantastic. That'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, growing up in the Bronx, the public education system was not the best. My mom, she was a teacher in the South Bronx and she didn't want us to be another statistic. I think the dropout rate was around 70 percent. Um, the high school oh my dropout God. rate was about 70 percent wow. when I was growing up. Oof. And uh, along with sending us to school, she would homeschool us. Uh, especially during the summers. And part of the homeschooling was she would make us read New York Times articles and read books mm. and write reports. And if those reports uh. weren't near perfect, she would make us pick another article or another book and start all over from scratch. And we couldn't go outside to play uh, unless we wrote oh. a perfect report. And I hated it. And I oh. hated my mother for it. <laughs> Um, but you know, when some then, parents, then. yeah, when some parents put a baseball or football or jujitsu outfit in their kids' hands and say, get to work. My mom put a pen and paper in my hand and said, get to writing. Cause from my mom's perspective, Amazing. 
we felt as though if we knew how to articulate our thoughts in a literary format, my brother and I, then we would never be without a job. And that that applies to me today. You know, I have so many jobs. I just I just sold a TV show to a uh, to a big production company, an unscripted TV show, and I got that job because I I wrote the pitch. And so writing has really taken me a long way. And a lot How of that, is that writing happens. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And, and I just, I can imagine how two boys, your mom, like, I mean, that woman's got some intestinal fortitude to stand up to two adolescent boys and make them do schooling on the weekend. It's just amazing to me yeah. she was able to do that. So I, uh, that she's uh, somebody I would love, if she has a chance to walk by, I'd just love to congratulate her because it's her efforts dude she's the one that put in the hard work you thought you were the one working hard imagine what she <laughs> <Yeah>. was doing <laughs> I know. She, was my, I know oh, man. she was my first seal instructor so so so, so I, you, I get it i get it i saw her i saw her when you were standing up on that podium kicking our ass i saw yeah, i saw yeah. your mom <laughs> yeah. oh it's so funny Okay, well that uh, that's that's an amazing story, and uh, you know, and then you got you went a little south. Maybe you want to tell that part and what, how you got into the Navy SEALs real quick. Yeah, yeah, you know, I got into you know my early teens and not having a father um, to affirm me, not having a father to teach me how to become a man. I looked to the streets and and hip hop life and hip hop culture to father me, and uh, uh, you know, I started out fighting and stealing and just doing whatever I could to make money. I stole from my mother, stole from local stores, got jobs. I stole from a sneaker store that I work as a matter of fact, my hotel is in Times Square. And uh, the sneaker store that I worked at, I could see it from my hotel window. I actually put a post oh, on my wow. Instagram story today. And I put an arrow. I said, that's the sneaker store where I used to hustle sneakers. And essentially what I would do is I would wow. have people come in and, 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 and when they picked out a sneaker, the sneaker was $80. I would tell him, just give me $60 cash and you can you could walk out of the door with the sneakers. And so I had my sneaker hustle uh, in Times Square. And then I progressed from that to uh, selling drugs, uh, not just in New York City, but upstate New York and Poughkeepsie. And then um, mm -hmm. I got hit to the game because I knew that it was easy for me to get caught. So I got into cell phone scams. So I was uh, selling mm -hmm. blow up phones where I would activate phones on um, uh, people's credit, specifically people who were in hospice and uh, who were about to die. So mm. from my perspective, they didn't, they weren't going to need their credit. And uh, and I would be able to activate one, uh, three cell phones on one line of credit, and I would sell those cell phones to drug dealers, and the phones would stay on for 90 days and then cut off after the bills weren't paid. So I was doing unlimited cell phone plans before <laughs> there was unlimited cell phone plans. And, uh, yeah, that, that, wow. so that was um, – that was my uh, that that took me to about 20 years old. I ended up getting involved in a deal with a drug dealer that went bad. I sold them some products that were supposed to last for a certain amount of time. Those products lasted for a fraction of that time. And not only was my life threatened at that very door, uh, uh, but my mother's mm -hmm. life was indirect right now after he knocked on that very door right behind me and that was a huge wake up call for me. I made him back my, his money and uh, that's when I decided I'm not going to do this anymore. And you saw a movie about the SEALs or something, right? Yeah, I saw a movie called The Rock, and uh, that was the first mm -hmm. time I was exposed to Navy SEALs. And uh, I, I remember saying to myself, I was about 16 years old when that film came out, and I said to myself, if I ever turn my life around, I'm not saying I will, but if I ever turn my <laughs> life around, that's what I'm going to do. And, uh, you mm -hmm. know, fate would have it that that's what I ended up doing. <laughs> 
And, and there was a, a recruiting officer who played a critical role in this. He went to see her and she sort of looked at him like, dude, you have two felonies outstanding. What are you, how am I supposed to yeah. recruit you, you know, enroll you? Yeah. And she, she, what made you, made you f find a suit and come back the next day? Is that what happened? Yeah. Yeah. She uh, ran my background and discovered that I had two warrants out for my arrest. I had a war warrant in New Jersey and I had a warrant in New York. And uh, she I got up, re got ready to run out of the office and she stopped me before I got out the office. And she said, where are you going? I said, I'm I'm, I'm getting out of here because I'm not trying to go to jail today. <laughs> she said, you have a suit? I said, no. She asked if I had a nice nice shirt and some nice pants. I said, I'm sure I could find something. And she told me to come back the next day. And, um, you know, growing up in, in New York City, you have to learn how to read people, uh, especially when you're doing the stuff that I was doing, selling drugs. And you got to be able to read body language and, and, and demeanor and all these different things. And all of that would serve me really well when I got into the SEAL teams and I was working in human intelligence and running sources and building intelligence packages. So, but, so I didn't know yep. exactly what she was going to do for me, but based off of how she spoke with me that last hour and, and, and how she looked at me, uh, I was able to read that she was going to do something good for me. And the next day I was, mm. I was right. The next day I came back, she was in her dress uniform, took me to both judges, the judge in New Jersey, judge in New York and stood before them and advocated for my, my behalf. She said, Hey, listen, this kid's made mistakes, but he has potential and he wants to join the military after an act of war. 9-11 had just taken place nine months earlier, but he can't join the military, mm. you know, with these warrants and both judges said if this guy is seriously serious about joining the military after what took place then we'll expunge his record and uh she went a step further and touched my paperwork snuck me into the navy and uh the rest is history and if it wasn't for that decision i know for unequivocal doubt that i would be dead or in prison as a matter of fact one of the guys i used to sell drugs with he's still in prison to this day um and i, I would be right there with him so yeah i mean these are and now, and I mean, there's so many things we could say about this. I mean, it's such an inspirational story, and it's it's a model yeah. for what we should be doing for bringing kids around. I, I've often said, yeah. that I, we, you and I have not talked about this, but I've been thinking yeah. more and more that some sort of military-style experience for young people or, and drug addicts, too, would help bring them around, you know, get them some discipline and structure and sustain that for a while. Do you have any thoughts about I that? I agree 100%. I think that one, I think that, you know, there should be some type of policy passed at some point that allows teenagers, even adults who have made mistakes. I'm not talking about, you know, murder and rape or anything crazy like that, but I'm talking about made some mistakes that are not egregious. Yeah and still give them the opportunity to serve in the military. As a matter of fact, across every branch of service right now, recruiting is down and it's serious. It's so bad that it's a national security issue. And, you know, we are in a prime position where we can fill those 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 silos with people that, yeah, yeah. they made mistakes, but that, are, that will need a second chance at life. And I yeah. believe that- Yeah, it would be amazing. It, it would be amazing. And this maybe, I don't know if you've thought about this, but this maybe this is the time to advocate for something like that because there is this shortage. I mean, this is when yeah. they're gonna have to start thinking creatively. You might get a congressman's ear or something or a congresswoman. Uh, I, yeah. I don't know if that ever happens, please. I would love to help you do that. Just to very, I can be of any help. I just, it's almost, you know, I, I don't know what I can do, but I, I'd be delighted to do anything I possibly could. Cause that, that to me seems like a model, you know, there's all kinds of, 
I was speaking to a group of county officials this last weekend, and uh, you know they're they're at they don't know what to do. They've got all these mental health problems and all these people in the streets and all this, and they got yeah. criminal problems, and they just are at their wits' end. This is a perfect little sidebar yeah. that might have really serious uh, long term consequences for who knows how many people. We don't even yeah. know what the impact might be, right? Yeah, no, I, I, as long as you get the military to participate. I mean, they've all, it seems like when people have brought up solutions like this in the past, the military kind of pushes back and say, oh, we don't want the, we don't want the headaches, well, you know, sort of their thing. Well, it right? used to happen. Vietnam, you know, yeah. from what I, from, I've heard many a stories of people who served in Vietnam who, you know, they were criminals or, you know, they, they were in a position mm -hmm. where they committed a, a serious offense, more serious than the stuff that I did. And they were standing before the judge and the judge said, go to Vietnam or go to prison, you know? So it, it mm. I mean, it, it happened in the past. Now, granted, that's a different time period. That was a different war. And, you know, it, it's, it's a different thing. And, and it's uh, it, it, right. It, it was a horrible, it was a, it was a sentence. And, and I don't, I would love to see us approach this, not as a, a sentencing, but as an opportunity, yeah. you know, I yeah. mean, you're the poster child for that. Right. So yeah. very interesting. Um, okay. So a couple of quick questions. I, I saw your, um, Instagram's post this morning. I thought, man, damn, he's from Bronx. What's he doing in Times Square? He knows better than to go down there. But now you just told me you're staying at the hotel there. So that that's cool. Yeah. Uh, and and you were there. It looks like you were out early in the morning because there was nobody there. Is that what I was looking at? Oh, no, I, I'm, uh, I, you know, I'm going to be a good boy and tell the truth. I woke up late today. It was just seemed quiet. Seemed, yeah, seemed quiet was, out there. I was shocked. Like, yeah. Yeah, I was doing a press, <laughs> doing this press tour for my book, Chameleon. It comes out tomorrow, and uh, I was up late, right. you know, doing a, doing a podcast interview. So I didn't wake, I didn't get out of bed until about twelve o'clock today. But it was, it was surprisingly Ooh. quiet. And uh, I was on my way to the gym, and uh, I, I heard the guy ah, sing in New York, New York, and I was like, "It's be a cool video to post." <laughs> It was cool. It was a nice video. It was really a nice. Well, it actually made Times Square look a lot better than it is. So, yeah. you know, it made it yeah. look very, very romantic for that moment. And your new show is that evolving? I, I'm fully excited for you about that. I know you can't really yeah. talk about it, but damn, yeah, I can't How's talk about it. But yes, it is. We are going to, Good. Uh, you know, start shooting in about two weeks, and uh, it's oh going to be epic, man. It's going to be epic. Oh. Oh, and then transformed is that still underway talk about it again for sure oh yeah don't worry that's the next time transformed is that still underway or that is that that's going to be a film right yep so transform is going to be a movie and uh the writer strike shut everything down um uh, i finished the script i finished a draft of the script before the writer strike um and turned that okay. into the studio um can't mention the studio just yet but once the writer strike lifts and and everything is uh squared away on the on the business end of things and we could talk i could talk publicly about the studio but the script's pretty much done and i i i really tried to stay as close to the script as possible while at the same time condensing the story into uh into the into the page count that was necessary because you know it's really really hard to uh take a uh, hundred and twenty seven thousand words and try and make it a hundred a hundred and twenty mm. page screenplay that's a feat in and of itself wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah but isn't that funny the, the kid that i'm sure you i'm sure you agonized over every page when you were 14 now you're yeah. now you're now you're you now you have difficulty bringing it bringing it under control you want to write more it's very interesting yeah so yeah. tell us about chameleon let's talk about that is there an audiobook and what what do we what do we learn if we, we pick it up 
Yeah, you know, chameleon is uh, is a fictional extension of transform. So, uh, you know, and it's it's not just a, it's a book, but it's also an audio book. I did the audio book read, so I'm performing all of the different nice. roles, all of the different characters. Um, but yeah, it's 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 all of the things that I couldn't talk about and transform, given my background in human. Uh, but I was able to mm. put in chameleon and fictionalize. So Kali Kent is me. You know, he he was born in Nigeria, some, just like I was. But, you know, his father's uh, was in the uh, Nigerian mafia. So I'm able to kind of explore that world a little bit more uh, and, 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 and teach people about the world of Nigerian corruption and, 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 and um, organized crime in Nigeria through that story. Um, Kali ended up coming to America, rising up into the ranks and being part of a top secret CIA program called Chameleon. And chameleons mm. are people who are able mm. to essentially become whatever character they need to become at the drop of a dime you know and it's all ground in reality huh. they're just really really great method actors and again i i pulled from my past being a human uh, collection agent overseas and having to be a different person for each source i had to be uh one person for a source who was always fearful to give me information i had to be a different person for a source that was a bit arrogant and and would talk too much and i had to be a different person for another source and then i had to be a different person for the people i was running my intelligence up to and so that's when the idea came to me this idea of a chameleon and then fast forward when i went to uh the lee strasberg theater and film institute to study uh to study acting method acting i met a teacher named mg mj carmy and she was was a phenomenal method actor teacher. And I remember we were in a class one day and she said to me, she said, she, well, she said to our class, she said, why is it so hard for you all to cry? It shouldn't be hard for an actor to cry. And she puts her hand over her head. And by the time her fingers pass her eyes, she's bawling, crying. It was like she turned on the switch. And, uh, and, and mm. she explained to us that the way she was able to do it was she was able to tap into something from her past through touch, through feeling. Mm. And so she, mm. and she admonished us to, you know, when you're trying to get into a certain character or, or evoke a certain feeling, you know, grab something that reminds you, even if it's something as similar as simple as a pen or a trinket, grab something that reminds you so that you can get into that character. So I took that and put it into uh, our chameleon program. And so Kali has a trinket that he uses to help gradually blend into his character similar to the way chameleons blend into their character but yes it's an action film action book and there's thrills and it's an espionage thriller but there's an underlying message in the in the book i kind of kind of similar to what i did with the, the the short film the unexpected short film where i put the pill in a donut uh i uh to you know to make people be willing to consume it i put the pill in the book as well you know i dressed it up with the action and, and the espionage and the thrills but there's a message about national unity because as you know there's so much division in our country and uh uh and politically from a racial standpoint and you name it we're divided in so many different mm -hmm. ways and it comes from africa to America and then having having had the opportunities that America has afforded me, you know, coming here poor with nothing, I feel like it's still my duty, not just to serve in the human trafficking side of things, but to try and serve my nation in a way that will bring healing. And so that's the underlying th theme throughout the book is this importance of, of national unity and what happens when we don't have national unity, what our enemies are able to do to us when we're just fighting amongst ourselves. And so uh, I hope that, uh, you know, people get the book and read it and get inspired to, you know, 
to say to themselves, you know what, I hate my neighbor because of their political background, but maybe, you know what, I'll dial it back a little bit. Maybe I'll go have a conversation with maybe I'll get to, I'll, I'll get to know them a little bit better. I have a saying, you know, it's conversation leads to understanding, understanding leads to unity. And uh, we need well, that right now. Yeah, as our country. it's yeah. so interesting. I mean, A, I, I know this audience and they, I think you just sold a bunch of books because everyone wants, you know, access to the solutions. They want to know how. But people have actually yeah. studied this kind of stuff in the past, racism, all kinds of bullshit. And, yeah, the, yeah. and the one thing that they find is the most significant treatment, let's call it, or, or salve for the illness, for the injury, is contact. Yeah. Contact, yes. make yes. contact, yeah. be, yes. be present with other people and be a human yes. being with other human beings. And guess what? That's what you'll be. You'll become a human yes. being and so will they. Uh, and yeah. uh, that that's what we need a hell of a lot of, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's not just it's not just being present with with the intention to respond. You know, with the ten, yeah. you know how it is when you, you know yeah. you get into an yeah. argument with somebody, you're not listening to what you're saying. You're waiting for a chance to respond. It's about being present with the intention yeah. of listening and being open and finding a common ground. Because at the end of the day, all of us in America, we all have multiple forms of common ground. We all have something that connects us. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about this earlier today when I was I was calling my mom. And I saw, you know, I, mm. I picked up my phone and I went to my uh, my my contacts and my and mom was there. And, you know, at a minimum, mm. most of us in America have have that in our phone. That's common ground right there. We we're Americans. Right. That's common ground right there. So we could disagree on a lot of different things, but I'm sure that we can find common ground with it, and that could be our, our way in to be able to find mm. uh, something that unites us and brings us together, or allows us to have an amicable relationship with people that we may disagree with politically or uh, disagree with in any of other course. way. But we need you, like we've always and, done. And, and that's the like part we've of often we've done it. You know, but. I, I love it. Human collection agent, you said, which it caught my ear. Human collection agent. That's a new term for me. Uh, but yeah. but what sprung out of that, hearing you say that, you talked about slipping into these chameleoid characters. How did you choose when you were, and we're going to get to human trafficking in just a second, I promise. But yeah, yeah. I, I'm just so curious about, you know, I'm always curious about some of the things you've been doing. How do you how do you know to trust your instincts of which which character to take on? It's all about being able to read people, and mm. and 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 it again it started with me in the Bronx. You know, it, naturally I just learned unconsciously. On you know I just learn. You know, like if I'm walking down the Survival. street, and I see a guy that's approaching a, a group of us, and he may not be looking at me, but he he looks like he may be a threat. Am I going to continue walking yeah. down that direction? Am I going to stand up taller to to posture as I walk, or am I going to just be a yeah. bit sheepish? Like you have to learn how to survive it. And so fast forward to when I got to human school, because before you could actually operate mm -hmm. as a human operator, you have to get training on it. I just remember being in a classroom, and we had these these intelligence guys who have been doing it for years. Some guys work with the agency. Some guys work with the DIA. Other mm -hmm. guys work with the NSA. And they were, they were teaching us this stuff. And I was like, I did that. I used to do that. I just didn't know mm -hmm. the terminology behind it. I just didn't know the theory behind it. But I did those things. And so fast forward to when I got yeah. overseas, it was first things first. As soon as you get into a room and you, and, and, and you, and you lock eyes with somebody, you have to be quick at analyzing them. And 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 because it's not just about 
having a dossier and reading about that person. It's about getting into the room, learning how to feel them out, seeing what their eye movements are doing. Are they looking around? Are they focused on you? Seeing their posture, reading their body language, and then going into whatever character you need to go into. For example, I'll give you an example. When I went overseas on a, uh, on a deployment, we did what's called a turnover mission. So there were already sources that were being utilized to collect intelligence for us uh, by other SEALs and other you know, agency people, so to speak. And uh, so I remember being in a, in a monitoring room and watching as the guy who I was gonna take over for was, was meeting with his, with his source. After his time was up, he, he said, all right, I'm, I'm getting ready to leave the country. I'm gonna go back home, but here's a new guy that's gonna take over for me. And I remember walking into the room and as soon as I walked into the room, the source smiled. And as soon as he smiled, I said, I got him. And the reason why uh -huh. he smiled was because less than 1% of Navy SEALs are African-American. And then when you get into the human uh -huh. side of things, number dwindles down even more. So he was smiling because he had uh -huh. never seen an African-American in person before. And so the oh, first my thing he said, not speak English, but the first did you know thing all that was, immediately, or did you, is that is that something you went through your head like immediately? Were you sort of no. aware that was the, what the smile was about, or just you saw the smile? I just I, well, I saw the smile and I saw the twinkle in his eyes, and I already knew historically that they, there's not a lot of engagement with yeah. African Americans as it relates to sources and, yeah. and and the type of work that we do. So I, I knew something huh. was up. I didn't know that it was until he said this. He said this to the interpreter. He looked at the interpreter because I came in with a smile. He smiled and I came and I reacted with a smile as well. And he said to the interpreter, Andy Murphy, Andy Murphy. And, oh. and so, and, and, and uh, my interpreter said to me, oh, he thinks that you're Eddie Murphy. You know, here, they, they, these guys, they, they love to watch the American movies and they love the black comedians like Chris <laughs> Tucker and all of these things. And so when he said that, I was like, oh, okay, my. that's a tool. That's a gift for me. That's good information. I was already able to read that he was somewhat open to me because he smiled when I came in. But now he's into mm. some of the things that I was into. So let me play that up. So I remember extending my arms. I'm glad. I can be Eddie Murphy. What's up, man? What's up? And I just laughed some more, and he he giggled some more, and we just continued to build that common ground. We built that rapport, and then about fifteen minutes later, it was like, "Hey, let's get down to business." And I still, I, 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 I you know, I dialed it back a little bit, but I still kept a smile, and I, but I got down to business, and that helped that trend with that particular source and many other sources helped me collect the information that I was able to collect because I was able to go and read, play on the things that I that, that he showed me he was into. And that's what helped me do my job. And that's what it was about with every source going in. There was another source that we would run every time. As soon as he met me, he was stern. He was stern. He was to the point. He wasn't about the laughter and joke. And I could see it when when I walked into the room. He stood up straight. He stood stood up erect, and he looked me in the eyes, gave me a, a firm handshake. What that told me: this man is about business. I can't come in playing Eddie Murphy. I got to come in being yeah, focused yeah. and matching. His so it, well, it, it's it's a I'm, science, I'm, but it's something that I don't think you can really explain too much. It's something that you just have yeah. to feel out. You you know. So. I, I'm laughing and smiling. And by the way, we're going to take a break, and I promise we're going to get to human trafficking. That is that is our next topic. I, I'm, I know Susan is anxious. I get there. I can't. I just get so intrigued by so many of the things you've done and the, your ideas and things. But I'm having a I'm having a, this huge reaction right now because 
<laughs> my introduction to you is a, a character with a guy with his arms crossed and blades on the, sun, the sun, yeah, sunglass yeah. blades and and i remember taking you very very seriously but i thought I, and i was the only one that thought this by the way i thought that guy's got a sense of humor. I know it. He's got he's got a yeah, sense yeah. of humor. We're not going to see it, but I know it's there. <laughs> I, yeah. I thought, yeah. but we're not going to see it. So you know, so when we finally did meet. I was like, okay, all right. So I wasn't I wasn't far off. Uh, but that was a, that was yeah. another character, right? That guy, the Mister, yeah. you know, wherever. I, I, do you have, was, did, I mean, you, I mean, we know because we had dinner after we got back from Jordan, yeah. and I yeah. wasn't the same yeah. person I was when no, I was out there. No, right? no, and, 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 no, no, again, no. It was. It was becoming a chameleon you know like the book becoming a chameleon yeah. and and then i had to i was i had the sunglasses on but you know exactly what i was doing i was looking at each and every single recruit to read them to kind of figure yep. out who they were yep. figure out my and i'm listening to things so i can learn how to what what gets to these recruits how can i put them against each other how can i make them better how can i push their buttons and then when we get into the interrogation room it's already out there on the table. I already know how it's to get easy. to that. Yeah. 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 That's so interesting. Uh, and, and has everybody from our group made contact with you in, in the real world? Or is are people not reaching out? I'm just curious. Yeah, I'm connected with Carly. Dwight Howard is going to be doing my uh, Dwight, book right. launch event tomorrow in New York City. So anybody yeah. who's in New York City, uh, come to the Lit Bar in the Bronx. You can find information on my social media. Oh. Dwight Howard is going to be hosting it. He's going to be interrogating me. <laughs> so I've stayed in contact with him and, and Mel B and a lot of others. Yeah. Oh, good. All right. Well, listen, uh, thank you for being here. We got a lot more to talk about. We're going to get into the heavy stuff that's been uh, getting into people's consciousness lately. That has been something top of mind for you to, for quite some time. That is the whole world of human trafficking, particularly organ trafficking. But the, but the, I guess what is it? Sound and Fury? Is that the name of that film? That's got everybody all worked up. But this, this is not a new thing. This is something that's been going on for some time and it's a big problem. We'll get back in just a couple minutes to talk about that with Rami Delicay. Yeah. A lot of you have been asking for more information about how to counter the adverse effects of the spike protein from COVID infections and the COVID vaccine. The spike protein is not your friend, let's just say that. So I'm glad we have the wellness company Spike Support Formula as a sponsor, especially since renowned internist and cardiologist Dr. Peter McCullough, who's also chief scientific officer of the wellness company, is one of its champions. There's some very intriguing research around natokinase, which might be a way to take on the spike protein. Listen to this. So start, if you would, with talking about natokinase, how you got to that and, and where you see its application. So with the viral infection or the vaccines, the spike protein stays within the body and it's found in the heart, the brain, the vital organs, and it's causing problems. The Japanese have been using this for heart and vascular disease now for 20 years, it's safe, it is a form of a mild blood thinner, that it dissolves the spike protein nearly completely. Spike support formula is the only product on the market containing natokinase, dandelion root, and a host of other antioxidants, all showing promise in helping you protect yourself and your family. To order this unique, specially formulated supplement, go to drdrew.com TWC. That is drdrew.com slash TWC. Use code Drew at checkout for 10% off today. President Trump recently issued a warning from his Mar-a-Lago home, quote, our currency is crashing and will soon no longer be the world standard 
which will be our greatest defeat, frankly, in 200 years. There are three reasons the central banks are dumping the U.S. dollar. Inflation, deficit spending, and our insurmountable national debt. The fact is, there is one asset that has withstood famine, wars, political and economic upheaval, dating back to biblical times, gold. And you can own it in a tax-sheltered retirement account with the help of Birch Gold. That's right, Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k maybe from a previous employer, into an IRA in gold. And the best part, you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Just visit birchgold.com drew for your free info kit. They'll hold your hand through the entire process. Think about this. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. How much more time does the dollar have? Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. I do not give financial advice, and previous performance is no guarantee of future performance. Visit birchgold.com slash Drew to get your free info kit on gold. That is B-I-R-C-H-G-O-L-D dot com slash D-R-E-W. I want to share with you a teeth whitening system that goes beyond merely enhancing your smile. Primal Life Organics Real White Teeth Whitening System offers convenience and rapid results without harsh chemicals. Light. Blue light for whitening. Red light for gum and oral hygiene. And you can just do both if you wish. Works naturally, promoting gum healing, tooth remineralization, gives you a brighter and a healthier smile. Again, no peroxide involved. Consistent usage yields remarkable results. Take this opportunity to transform your smile and at the same time, optimize your oral health. Aim for five times a week for the best outcomes. Discover more about this remarkable teeth whitening system and other products at drdrew.com primal today. That again is drdrew.com P-R-I-M-A-L. Be sure to use that link for 60% off drdrew.com slash P-R-I-M-A-L. Do it today for 60% off. And uh, when we're on with Kelly, we normally run that little clip that says if uh, we end up, because uh, if some of our topics get controversial, they move on over to uh, Rumble, if uh, we'll be there for sure. Susan, am I getting that correct or anything else you got to say yeah, about that? Yeah, so we're, we're feeling some pushback from some a hit piece that was done by uh, Media Matters, and I think they're getting under YouTube's skin. So um, if we do get a strike or if we get deplatformed, we just want to let everybody know that we will be on Rumble and Facebook and Twitter. Mm -hmm. We can see your we can see your comments on Rumble and Facebook, not on Twitter yet, but um, I don't know what to expect and we're leaving town for a couple of weeks. So I'm assuming that's going to happen when I'm out of town and there's nothing I can do. But, um, I think, I think everybody needs to be aware of the, the politics behind this stuff that we've been talking about recently. And, and we're just giving the facts. We're not making no, we're stuff not, up. No, we're not we're giving not... facts. We're just interviewing people to see what they have to say. And I, 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 I would argue that I've learned something interesting from every single a couple of them I didn't really learn much from, but I, 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 maybe save two. I learned something fascinating from each and every one of the people. I didn't agree with everything they but said. But the hit piece was written about where we were monetized with guests like Zelenko. And mm. when we had RFK Jr., we had Del Bigtree. And, you know, they deplatformed him. Yeah, mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody knows that. But the point is they are not saying that our content last week was so bad. They're saying, well, YouTube monetized these guests mm, who mm, shouldn't mm. be on youtube talking about their I conspiracies I see. and then lo and behold we were 
demonetized. So okay. we're, we're working behind the scenes. We're hopefully going to get a hold of a, a real human and find out who's, who's um, trying to take us down. I don't know. It, it, I don't know what YouTube, I guess if you make mean comments, you can take our show away. But if you make positive comments on, on YouTube and give us a like and say nice things about us, then maybe we can keep the show. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um, uh, keep positive thoughts. It, it's using Remy as our, our, our guiding light. Uh, <laughs> we'll reach out and contact and think only positive thoughts about everybody. I am more than happy to do that. But let, let's get into the human trafficking and how you got involved with that and, 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 and sketch out the, the magnitude of the problem for us. One, one of the things that, of course, I said Sound and Fury or something. It's, of course, Sound of Freedom is the movie that's got everybody all worked up. But it's odd, it seems so odd to me that everyone got worked up over a topic that is so important. I, yeah. I, I get confused by so many of these things these days. But sketch it out for us and how you got involved. Yeah, so I, when I got out of the Navy in January 2016, I would get contacted by various nonprofits who heard my story because I was allowed. I was allowed to kind of take my story public and you know come going from Nigeria to the Bronx, Bronx to the teams and and and, and um, having success there and then getting out of the military. And I had various nonprofits reach out to me. A lot of inner city nonprofits uh, would have me come speak at their uh, at their clinics. Or I remember going to a juvenile like prison, speaking there with young kids. And I went to prisons and I would just. I, it was just my field is i felt this pull to give back and serve just like i know a lot of other veterans feel that same pull as well after they've served in the military and it, one of the types of nonprofits that kept on reaching out to me was human trafficking nonprofits and i had no clue what human trafficking was i didn't know the definition i had never really heard the term before i had no clue and this first human trafficking nonprofit out of Sacramento reached out to me and it was run by this woman, I can't recall her name. And she said, hey, can you come up and just volunteer some of your time up here with us? We have a really bad human trafficking problem with underage kids here. And, and I was like, what's human trafficking? And she was like, kids are used for sex and sold for mm. sex and even in, in women and this and that. And I was like, oh my God, that happens? She was like, yeah, it happens. Mm. So I was disgusted obviously. And I went up there and, uh, and I helped out um, uh, with one of her initiatives and then, you know, few months later, I got contacted by another human trafficking nonprofit and they said, hey, we're putting on this fundraiser. Can you come, you know, help us raise money for our efforts? And I said, sure. And then another human trafficking nonprofit reached out to me. And then I, the, the, the uh, straw that broke the camel's back was I had a human trafficking nonprofit reach out. Uh, interestingly, uh, that human trafficking, uh, not one of the human trafficking nonprofits that did this type of work was OUR, which uh, uh, is uh, Tim, was Tim Ballard's uh, nonprofit. Um, and so I had this human trafficking nonprofit reach out and say, hey, we employ former special operations guys and, uh, and former uh, uh, intelligence guys to go overseas to rescue kids that are trapped in sex trafficking, specifically rings that uh, are that Americans service, right? So these are human trafficking rings where uh, the girls are, are are sold for sex and the clients are Americans for the most part, right? Jeez. And so, you know, went, went overseas and, um, you know, saw mm. that stuff. And, and the, 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 the big eye opener for me were we were in DR on this particular trip and they were, uh, they, we were in this particular slum 
It was a slum in DR, like a very hilly slum. And we were in this slum because this particular slum had parents who would sell their daughters to traffickers. The traffickers would take their daughters up to the northern part of DR and Americans and other Westerners would pay for sex with these girls. We're talking 11, 12, 13 year old girls, very young girls. And I just remember being disgusted by this, um, this particular mission, trying to talk to these parents who are selling their kids. Because I'm I, at that time, I had two uh, two sons at the time, so it was a tough pill for me to swallow. And uh, our guide noticed how perturbed I was, so he pulled me aside and pulled me into this chapel. And then and this chapel had to be no bigger than the size of two uh, handicapped toilet stalls. And at the end of this dingy, dirty chapel was a dead six-month-old baby in a casket. And it was a funeral mm -hmm. service that was going on. And the guide explained to me that the baby died. And he brought the mother to me and, and explained to me that the baby died because the mother's breast milk ran out. She wasn't getting enough food and water. And so uh, she mixed some formula with the local water, gave it to the baby. That's what ultimately killed the baby. And, and he was trying to mm. teach me something. What he was trying to teach me was, Remy, this is their plight. For this mother and for some of these other parents that you're trying to talk to, for them, it's either they sell their daughter for sex or all of their kids die. And it doesn't justify it at all, but it did help me do my job. Going back to what I what I would do as a human intelligence guy, I needed to understand the motivations of the people that I was speaking to and dealing with sometimes right. in order to get right. the information I needed. And he recognized that mm. because he recognized how perturbed I was that I needed to get some more information so that I could properly do my job. And so, you know, I went back and, and continued doing what we were doing. And when I got back from that trip, um, I had uh, some missed phone calls from Mike Case. Mike Case is Michael Bay's producing partner. And Mike Case was um, mm. reaching out to me because uh, Michael Bay was starting his next film with Netflix called Six Underground. And they wanted me to start consulting on the film. And I agreed to consult on the film, but it was after I hung up the phone that these two worlds collided. I just got off the plane from, from DR, landed in Miami, and I just had this crazy experience. And then now I had this phone call from somebody who works in the film and TV industry. And I was like, that's it. That's the answer. Human trafficking is a global issue and it requires a global response. And the best way to have a global response is to make a film. And, you know, because I felt like, you know, I could go overseas and rescue a hundred kids and, and, and work with different nonprofits to do that job. But there's always going to be two million more kids that need some rescuing. I'm not going to be able to do that, but I can use my gifting and talents as a writer and a storyteller and a filmmaker to educate the masses in a way that would uh, that would show them that they need to get engaged in this fight. So that was essentially the trajectory of how I kind of migrated to this yeah. um, part of my life now where I'm really trying to use my my background as a filmmaker to expose this darkness and not just not just see when people hear the term human trafficking their mind just goes to sex trafficking. They don't realize that yes. there are multiple facets of human trafficking. There's organ harvesting, mm -hmm. which is what I choose to focus on. There's there's sex trafficking, there's forced marriage, there's um, there's labor, what's going on in Africa labor, right yeah. now, and a lot of the mines. Yeah. You have the Chinese who uh. are buying up these, these plots of land and signing these deals with these corrupt politicians, and they're coming in, and, and these these mines are being being mined by child slaves. You know what I mean? It's, it's, mm. it's, it's, it's a very sad thing. So you have forced labor, you have forced marriage, you have blood trafficking, and I don't mean the crazy, you know, QAnon conspiracy one. I'm talking about there was a guy who was, uh, this is an international story of 
a guy from China who went to Cambodia. He was abducted by a gang. That gang was blood trafficking. They were taking his blood and selling his blood on the black market. So there's all the, and that's an international <laughs> story. It was all over the news. Every network covered that story. So there's all, as a matter of fact, as a recent, a month ago, uh, there was a, the trafficking of dead bodies at Harvard University, mm. the Harvard University morgue. Oh, right. Kid, I remember that. Yeah. story here in the U.S. where the, yeah. the, this guy and yeah. his wife, his girlfriend were working at the morgue in, in, at Harvard, and they were taking body parts and selling the body parts on the black market. They were taking fetuses of, of, of babies who, who died prematurely. They were, bodies were supposed to be cremated. Instead, they were selling these, body, these bodies of these dead babies. So there's all these different forms of human trafficking. It's not just sex trafficking. Wait, wait. Susan so, just I, just jumped out of her seat. Wait what a second. For? for money. Just like to do autopsies money. or play with dead bodies? Why would they the need the organs of a dead... The one that was going on in Harvard is, uh, if I remember correctly, they were selling them to uh, like other people that were turning them into uh, like gross artwork, basically. And then she would end up selling them for <laughs> oh a lot gosh. of money online. Yeah, it, it was a whole miniature oh. industry. And they, their source, I believe, was at Harvard University and a few other like, yeah, morgues and yeah. stuff. And it was a very intricate network and it was a very lucrative uh, ring. And so, you know, there's- Well, that's the, that's the thing. Yeah, tell them about the, the that you you broke down for me some of the uh, economics of the organs and what a, what a, yeah. a series of organs can can get on the market internationally. Tell them about that. Yeah, so the, the human heart or lungs starts bidding starts at about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for a clean heart and lung. Um, a kidney or liver bidding starts just starts at a hundred thousand dollars. As a matter of fact, Vice did a story recently of uh, of and they had they actually had an organ trafficker. His face was covered and he had goggles on and everything. But uh, they did a story on this trafficker who was uh, he was finding poor migrants in Mexico and 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 connecting those migrants with corrupt medical care personnel in the United States, in Arizona, Nevada, and California. So so uh, the corrupt medical uh, uh, staffers at different hospitals, they would give this trafficker the names of people who would uh, get on the kidney waiting list or some type of other mm -hmm. transparent plant waiting list. And then he would connect them uh, together and they would do the, the the transplant in Mexico. He would sell the kidneys for $100,000. He would essentially manipulate these poor migrants who came to the Mexican border to try and sneak into America and who were now homeless. He would manipulate them, taking advantage of the vulnerable and give them $5,000 for their kidney, sell it for 100000 and the money would be split between the trafficker and the surgeon who performed uh, the surgery. So, uh, mm. and that's another thing. You know, a lot of people think that they're dealing with uh, uh, very dark, cringy people, you know, dirty people. And that is the case in, in, in some situations, but you're also dealing with very smart, educated people. There was a, a organ harvesting ring that was, I spoke about this last time I was on, but there was an organ harvesting ring that was busted in uh, Cairo, Egypt. And of the 45 people that were were arrested, the majority of them were doctors and nurses. There was another story, sorry for going on this tangent, but there was another story that came out uh, uh, four months ago of this woman, this woman from Mexico who, f who found love on this dating app, found this guy in Peru, flew to Peru to oh, start boy. a relationship with him. He killed her, 
took all of her organs, mm -hmm. chopped her body up, her parts of her body washed up on the beach. He got caught because he tried selling her heart, lungs, kidney, and other organs on the black market. He was a med school student. So you're not dealing with idiots. Oh my God. This, this was an oh international story. This, this is not conspiracy. Oh this is all God. an international story that was well documented on all the major trades and outlets. And so uh, kidney and, and, and uh, liver starts at around $100,000. Uh, cornea of the eye started around uh, $30,000. So you know, we could say that uh, uh, conservatively that a human body can go for 250,000, just start starting at 250,000. And these traffickers are realizing that it's safer for them to traffic organs and bodies than it is for them to traffic people sexually. Because when you have somebody mm -hmm. who's being sex trafficked, especially underage kids, especially with the new laws that are being passed in some countries like London, just the UK just passed, passed this strenuous law recently where uh, a few months ago, actually, where if you traffic anybody, regardless of the matter, if it's for sex, if it's for organs, whatever, labor, you're getting a life sentence if you get caught. And so mm -hmm. these traffickers are beginning to realize that, hey, it's a lot safer and more lucrative for me to traffic bodies you know and take these organs and sell them on a black market because in worst case scenario i could burn the body you know get rid of it sell these organs and move on to the next person than it is for me to keep trafficking somebody sexually because they could be a sting somebody could be an undercover cop or be working for interpol and things could get broken up so it's uh now those are the numbers essentially yeah, i mean and it, we know uh, but sorry. i mean reasonably uh, you know that's what you say where it starts i mean reasonably people could look forward to a, a million dollars per body that they are able to kidnap you know and then or, or at least a half million dollars i mean this is like ridiculous sums of money so uh, yeah they make a lot more and, money than trafficking people, drugs yeah and people go missing every day uh we know the numbers as a matter of fact there were a lot there's a i forgot the number of migrant kids that were that made it into the U.S. that just disappeared after they got placed in, in, in mm. different places here in the U.S. So people are always going missing, and uh, and and you know what? There's always going to be people in need of organs. And, and just look at the numbers in America. You know, I, I have this up right here. Just these these statistics. Biden just did an overhaul of the uh, of the organ transplant program here in the U.S. and 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 the statistics came out in 2022. 42 there were 42,000 transplants just in the U.S. There's uh, uh, there's a hundred and four thousand men, women, and children on the waiting list each year, and every ten minutes right. a new person is added to the waiting list, and seventeen people yeah. die every day because they're on a waiting yeah. list waiting. and don't get an organ at times. Seventeen yeah. times three hundred and sixty-five yep. is six thousand two hundred and five people. So just in the U.S., six thousand two hundred and five people die every year on a transplant waiting list. So when you have somebody that's desperate, when you have this this need that's going to never go away, and then you have these traffickers, and then you have mm. great poverty in most parts of the world, you have abject poverty. You're gonna. It creates this 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 space for these horrible uh, events to take place. Mm. Yeah. Um, speaking of dark, I'm I'm reading some of Susan's comments on the on my stream here, including she wants to create a new show called 90 Day Fiance Organ Donor. <laughs> dark, dark. She's dark. Oh, yeah. Before the 90 days or the other way, 90 days. I threw up in my mouth a little bit too. Yeah. Thanks, Remy. You also mentioned you also mentioned that Leonardo da Vinci used to do this. He pay he bribed yeah. people so we could examine dead bodies. I mean, I I can see that in the Middle Ages, but now it, it still exists. I just I'm horrified. Well, that, that it has it gone up different... since COVID nineteen since we have more poor people. <laughs> 
I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. it's up. But let me ask this, Rami. What do you? Well, I don't understand why the movie uh, Sound of Freedom created such consternation. You would think there would be. I mean, I saw Mar Mara Savino talking about it. She was the actress, and she's like, "People need to know about this. That's why we did the film." Yeah. Well, yeah. Why did I? Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to see it or not, but I don't understand why it created such a problem. I think because it's just been politicized. I think that you know uh, there. Again, main one of the main reasons why I wrote the book is to try and and, and show how politics divides us and keeps keeps us yeah. on separate sides of the aisle, so to speak. And I think that that's what it happens. I think yeah. you know back you know back in you know 2016, 2017, 2018, um, you know Trump was in office. There was a lot of people that were against him, and there were a lot of and then he was for he was for human trafficking. He stood up a human trafficking task force. He created some um, some laws against it and uh, and and he advocated for it. And then Tim Ballard, um, he went to the White House, met with Trump a couple times. I know he met with Ivanka a couple times. And so, you know, now you have you have this person who's at the forefront of it, Tim Ballard and the stories about him. But you have a whole big group of people that are against his politics right and so when you have these people is it is, it, is it against his politics or is it but is it just the fact that he went to that white house and asked for help i mean my, my yeah, thing I, is I like hey man when you got to change yeah. yeah when you change need to change social and medical and and you know if violent you're going after things that need to be changed quick i don't care who's in the white house i'm gonna go check i'm gonna go I, ask I'm for help or if i or if i can yeah, be of help I'm, yeah a hundred percent. You know, I'm a, you know, I'm an independent free market capitalist. I'm not a Democrat or Republican. And, 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 and for me, when it comes to this fight, I don't care who's in office, whether it's Biden, whether it's Trump, yeah. I don't care who it is, whoever's going to get behind yeah. helping fight this atrocity. At the end of the day, it's modern day slavery. Let's say what it is, right? A lot of human trafficking is the cute term for it, but the reality is slavery. And, and, and anybody that's yep. going to give me a resource whether i like them or not like that. i've worked with human trafficking nonprofits that were on the left side of the aisle that were democrat run and 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 very liberal and i've worked with human trafficking nonprofits that were on the right and 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 very conservative and i've worked with human trafficking nonprofits mm. that were in between i don't care what your political background is mm. for me it's all about are we going to get the job done and i think that that mentality comes from yeah. my time in the military when you're in the military as a seal you don't care who's in office you care about the job here's yeah. the job here's how you have to go after here's how you're going to protect the nation i'm going to get the job done i don't care i served under obama and i served under bush i, it, I didn't care who was giving me it's like what's the job and, it, and am i going to do my job effectively so me and my boys come back alive and again i think that people have just politicized it so much and then you, you have you know the the QAnon thing has really screwed it up as well. You, you know, you do have these nutbags who come up with these theories and, and and put stuff out there, and then they give ammunition to those who are already somewhat opposed or skeptical of the topic of human trafficking. Right. And so now, when you oh, bring up yeah. that, you know, I've had people comment and say, "Oh, you're you work in human trafficking? Is that the QAnon thing?" You, I'm like, "No, fool, I ain't no Q. I'm not. I'm not QAnon, bro. Like, I'm. I've, I've worked. I've seen this stuff firsthand. Like, there's open source yeah. information." A plethora of information out there about the, the realities of sex trafficking, organ harvesting, more so, and they they're coming out more and more every day. I don't I don't associate with them. I'm all about using the facts and getting the job done. So, I think that a lot of the hoopla has come from the fact that, you know, Tim was working with a particular 
candidate and uh, well, a president. Mm. And a lot of people didn't like that. And I think that, you know, that's where mm. it comes from. I could be wrong. I also think that this well, is a theory that be wrong as well. Yeah. I also believe that, you know, there's a the people at the top of these of, of these companies like like Disney are asking some questions because that film was made for fourteen point five million dollars, you know, and, and and it wasn't financed by Fox. A lot of people don't realize that. I I know because I was around when hmm. when when Tim was before Tim even started making the movie. The movie was independently financed, and what happened was hmm. uh, after it was independently financed, they sold the distribution rights to Fox. A few years later, a couple of years later. Uh, 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 Disney bought Fox and Disney shelved the project. And then, and then years, a few, a couple of years after that, Angel Studios came in and bought the project and they distributed the project. And now it's closing in on $150 million. Now, around the same time wow. Sound of Freedom came out, Indiana Jones came out, same studio that had Sound of Freedom. That film, $300 million budget, is losing money. It's probably going to lose a studio $200 million. So now when you have wow. a studio that had a project that cost $14.5 million and is now closing in on $150 million, which would have made them a very nice profit, and they haven't even released it internationally yet. This is just mm. the, this is just the domestic numbers on 150 million. What happens when that film releases internationally? It's going to do even more money. And so you, you, you have shareholders who are probably at the top saying, what the hell? Why did you make that decision to shelve this movie and then make this movie that's now going to cost us 200 plus million dollars? Yeah. And so to justify yeah, it, yeah. again, this will be a theory. Some people at the top have to say, well, it was because it was a QAnon. Oh, well, it was because this guy was involved in this and that. And, you know, yeah, they may not be saying that directly, but they may be saying that to outlets who they have relationships with to essentially carry out this campaign, just like you and Susan were talking about earlier about the campaign that's being carried out against you guys, you know, to carry out this campaign yeah. in order to try and discredit the film because they need to come up with a reason as to why they made a bad business decision. Because at the end of the day, it ain't show business. Right. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it, it, it's very oh, yeah, interesting. I, I like that. And then there's, a, well, there's another flavor to the theory too, which I never really thought about. Which is, I didn't realize that Trump went out uh, hard on human trafficking, and then then the people on the right must say to themselves, "Well, why is anybody pushing back? How could you push back on that? I mean, you you take an issue with yeah. that. There must be a conspiracy. There must be somebody. You know, there must be some pedophile behind yeah. it or something. They get all crazy with the yeah. conspiracy thinking." Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. everybody, yeah. calm down, <laughs> calm down. Let's yeah, be, everybody, let's, yeah, I love, I love, adds to it. I love the pragmatic approach that you're advocating, which is let's get the job done. Let's get the job done. Let's, let's help people. Let's get the job done, everybody. That's where we that's all it. should be focused. We shouldn't be worried about who gets the job done or how we get. The, just get the damn job done. Let's do it with as little yeah. uh, uh, collateral damage as possible, <laughs> and as economically right. as possible. Well, my friend, uh, once again, it's been, I, I can, it's so interesting to me. I've talked, well, we've spoken probably four times on shows and every time I learn yeah. something new and I'm, and you've enlightened me every time. So when it comes time to talk about the new, uh, project, unscripted project, yeah. which, uh, I, you, you alerted me to a couple weeks ago and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> that is, that is, that so is exciting. A, that's a winner. That I, is a winner. Did I tell you, Susan? Awesome. Or did I keep it no, I, I mean, I, yeah. I love everything Remy does. Well, I, I probably kept it quiet. When somebody says, don't say anything, I, I don't say anything. I just, I we went and saw an airplane though. 
We, we saw your plane. Yes. And yeah. yes. And it reminded me of the MH370 disappearance. I oh, was yeah. like, this is what I always thought happened. <laughs> She's convinced that yeah. you were, that was the real story of MH360. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 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 oh, no, it's no, so no. funny. If he has a minute, I, have a I think my mom's here. Hey, Ma, you here? Oh, she's not back yet. Sorry. I was going to say. <laughs> okay. All right. She's well, Remy, I mean, uh, Caleb, Caleb, Caleb has, has a question, question for you. Go ahead. Yeah. Caleb, go yeah. Ahead. Remy, yeah. you are definitely, I always want to jump on whenever you're here because you're one of the most interesting guests that we have. You have so many Thank different you. lives that you've lived mm. and I'm just always so proud of every time I see you in the news, I'm really <laughs> proud of you. So I, I remember watching your short film, The Unexpected, which is, it's very intense, yeah. but I highly recommend it to everybody. And something yeah, that stood out to me is how in the movie, in the short film, you dug deeper into the organ harvesting gang leaders themselves. And instead of yeah. portraying them as these one dimensional evil villains, you actually showed them as immoral, but complicated human beings involved in a criminal yeah. enterprise. And I wondered yeah. if in your work of capturing these people, have you noticed patterns in the type of person who leads these organ harvesting and human trafficking gangs? Like, do they have, do they have families of their own that they go home to and they just, they, they keep this secret from them or is this exclusively sociopaths or how, do they convince themselves? Is it just a, an illicit business or how, who are these people? And what are they like? They, they yeah, yeah, I don't think there is a set pattern, you know, um, it's, they're, they're different. You have some of these people who are involved, who they have families of their own, you know, they have families of their own. Then you have some of these people who are involved, who who they manipulate their own children or, or, or to get into into sex trafficking or other parts of, of trafficking or, or labor, you know, right. or, you know, other forms of trafficking. Then you have those who are just, they're desperate poor and they just want to make money for them it's just right. business it's not that they're might this might Survival. sound bad but it's not that they're evil wholly right. evil per se it's that that for them it's about survival and right. again when when you look at human trafficking a lot of it is desperation on everybody's end when you have the when you have people who are mm. being manipulated to sell organs why because they're desperate and in the other end when you have people that are doing the work it's because in, in, in some cases, they're desperate. One of the key ways, I believe, to get rid of human trafficking across the board is you got to fix the problem of poverty. Right. right. Because that's yeah. what that's where these traffickers, they No problem. Easy. Easy peasy, right. Remy. Easy yeah. peasy. Yeah. I, <laughs> I agree with you. But that's woo. an easy solution. But that's an easy solution to get to. That's a hard solution to get to. You know what I mean? Right. And yeah. so yeah. as far as oh, your, 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 your question, it's a wide demographic of people. Sometimes it's, hey, hey, you know what? There was a Navy SEAL that I served with. Got He's involved in with prison. it? He's in prison. He just, got, he just got sentenced to federal prison. Uh, well, now hold ago. on a second. Got so, pulled to so, the other side. So, right. so, but you, you, but hang on a second, because this one of the intriguing things about you is you understand the flip sides of people's yeah. relationship with the what's wrong. You know what I mean? Because you you were on that side and you flipped it over to the right. Yeah. It, what makes somebody flip back? That that's harder for me to understand. You don't know, man. This guy, he was a former Navy SEAL, got out. Uh, I worked with him. I owned a, a co-owned a consulting company with him. Didn't know. Family guy. Loved his wife. Loved his kids. Mm. And uh, was essentially creating child pornography, you know, and, uh, and, oh. and, and putting it on the dark web. And uh, now he's sitting Oof. in federal prison. 
You know, right. he's going to be in there for the rest of his life. So it's like, but right. I, I didn't see that coming. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I, I didn't see mm. that coming at all. Mm. Most of us didn't. What he was doing. So, like I said, it's it's a bit more complex. There's no one right. size fits all as it relates to you know yeah. who's the type of people. And then you have a lot of women who right. are, are also leading the charge on a lot of this human trafficking stuff. Right. Stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not just men. Because women are typically, especially when you get into these other countries, they play a role in grooming and recruiting. Look at Ghislaine Maxwell. Ghislaine right. Maxwell was the head mm. recruiter uh, as it related to, uh, to to victims for F- Epstein and all of the people right. that were having sex mm-hmm. with the kids. So um, you, you never I, know. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's the, I, I see that, that this part. Be, this would where... be another thing. Sorry, 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 sorry to cut you off. This would be another thing. Yeah. The woman who consulted on my film, The Unexpected, when I she was on the uh, on the White House Human Trafficking Board, okay. When I met her, and that's why mm. I met her, and we connected. I was like, hey, I want you to get with the actresses and talk to them, and this and that. Her her grandfather trafficked her in church, sold her to different Whoa. guys in the church. Her grandfather, and her name Ooh. is Genesu, right? And wow. she talks about this openly, and so you know, it nobody knew what was going on. Right. And so I can I can I can understand that aspect of where certain people in certain areas of the world where they reach such a desperate place of poverty that it almost forces it. It's this desperation that that drives them in that case. But I'm thinking about the people who are leading Mm. these organizations that are running the infrastructure of it, that they are thinking of themselves as businessmen in a way. Yes. They're the mm. ones that are higher up that I think that's more greed than desperation though. Right. But is is it greed? Because because there's so many other industries that they could go into that that are not as risky as this. Like this is something where if you get caught and you go to prison for it, it is not a good prison stay for you. This is yeah, not yeah, yeah. you don't get treated well by other criminals. And so how yeah. Are they, have you know, do they, the people that are the ringleaders of this that aren't as desperate because they are obviously making money off of this, what are their motivations and how do, do they, do money. they actually, do they go home and they're like, their wife money. understands yeah. that this is what their life is and where the money comes from? Caleb, you're, you're struggling. I don't to get, think his wife knows. You're, you're, yeah, you're struggling <laughs> to get your head around this and, and right. that, just file it under, just file it under never assume somebody's mind or brain works like yours does. Right. Never right. make I, that assumption. I wish it was right. Brains but then work that would, that mean like works sociopath, in the world of motivation. Right? The motivation, we, well, sociopath is one flavor, but motivation is an extremely complicated landscape yeah. and we don't pay enough attention to it. And Rem is an expert in it. And I, I wanted to ask you this. Don't you agree we should be paying much more attention to human motivation and less to what words they said? You know, what, right. what was the word they used? You know, what's their motivation? What are they all about? Money. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, you know, I, I, one, I think it's money. Two, I, again, it's different for everybody. Maybe 90% of it is money, 10% of it is desperate, maybe 50%. I, I don't think that there's like yeah. a... That yeah. I think everybody is different when you start looking at these yep. people at the top. But I also think just like politicians, you know, you get a politician who will mm-hmm. enter into Congress and, you know, their main goal is to serve the people through and through. Honestly, that's mm-hmm. where their heart is. But then somebody shows them, hey, here's a loophole. Oh, here's a way you could do some insider trading. I'm not going to do that. But then mm-hmm. they start seeing the benefit of it. And it's a right. gradual process. Oh, I was able uh, to make an yeah, extra $2 million. Yeah. Nobody, I was uh, able to make it. Now I'm going to keep doing this and I'm going to make a career of this. It, I think it's also with some of these people, 
it's a gradual process. They get a taste right. of it and they build up yep. to it. And that's, I right. think that's, yep. just, that's I think what that's right. it is in a lot of organized crime, even in that, drug dealing and, yep. and and other things. It starts out small and then it grows up big. And then before you know it, yeah. I got to maintain this lifestyle. Right. Even when I just look at the stuff that I was doing, because I was in crime. So I understand it from that perspective. Exactly. You know, I right. got this money. I started making this money selling drugs and I progressed to, you know, to, to the cell phone thing. I'm making tens of thousands of dollars a week. And it's like, okay, now that I'm at this, at this, this this at the top at the apex of what i'm doing right i don't want to go back down right. so i need to maintain right. this, slippery slope which is going to lead to me having slippery to slope. keep doing this right right yeah. and is that that's yeah. that yeah. that makes so much sense because it must be a slow progression this isn't like a family business and, that they inherit. And, and there's it's entanglement that, right and then they're caught they're there's also entanglement they're, too right. like certain uh, they can start to, you know, coerce you to stay in it, you know, because you know, you're, we got something on you. Now you're in, right. you're with us, you know, and that's it. Yeah. So listen, guys, I, I got to wrap this all up. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, and they're, and they're, you know, human evil is a very strange thing. You know, people, yeah. people have a fantasy that somebody twirling their mustache. It, it, it is rarely that. I mean, there are psychopaths yeah. and, and do horrible things. Yeah. And even then, those, you don't see that until you find out what they're doing on the DL. You know, they, they're, yeah. it's, they're over here somewhere doing that crazy stuff. Uh, they are able to hide it from people. So it's not a caricature like people think. It's it's something yeah. far more human, and in 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 that way, it's even more sort of disturbing or or unbelievable, you know, that because it's still it's still us somehow. We're still yeah. some potential in the human that goes sideways. So, yeah. all right, think, well, listen. You, congratulations on the book launch. What what's that? Caleb? Sorry, Remy. Do you do you think that since you've been doing this for so many years, have you seen the rise of like cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin? worsening the situation or is this still an industry that that's not affected you know i've heard that cryptocurrency is being used as a as a means of, of payment but i do know that a lot of stuff is happening via social media and you you have there was a nigerian engineer in 2021 that was arrested in india because he had created this elaborate website that looked like a looked like a hospital's website and he was doing transactions on the website mm -hmm. so um i've wow. heard that bitcoin and, and cryptocurrency is involved but the, the almighty dollars was being used for the most part from what i understand so it's like hiding in plain sight it seems to be the strategy yeah. right. it, wow. it, bitcoin yeah. can't be making things better it can't be making things better caleb it cannot, cannot be wow it, it could only make things worse that's for sure yeah. um all right so the book is out tomorrow please get the book uh are we going to yes, see you somewhere yes, in, the, in, the, in the other than going to see you at dwight howard which i would give anything to go see we're going to be uh yeah. briefly in new york and on thursday but not not tomorrow uh yeah. and uh i got if you and dwight are hanging around on thursday please let us know or friday rather we'll be around we'll friday. take some pictures um we'll take some pictures and uh yeah if everybody are, are, are you gonna simulcast it or anything why don't you put it out on the web why don't you stream it out What's stream that? it out somewhere because you know, you, you stream it out they they wanted to they, they oh. were trying to motivate people to get there opposed to having them on zoom okay. so uh, um, I so got we, got a, we have a large crowd it's a lot of people showing up man so it's, it's we're gonna i think we Good. might end up at capacity but uh yeah All everybody right. well, go congratulations. out there get support uh, the book uh, in book two i'm gonna deal with some human trafficking in there as well because again maintaining that that fictional extension of my story so let's make book one a big success so we could do book two and uh, please support it and, and and I heard a hook today that you should lean on, which is solutions. You've got solutions in there to the division. And yeah, people the are looking for that. I think they're unity. hungry for that right now. So 
Mm. Yeah, it's about it's about it's good, creating unity in our nation. You know, yes, it's an action thriller. Yes, there's espionage. Yes, you'll be excited. But at, at the same time, you'll get this inception, this idea of national unity, unity within our nation against everybody, whether regardless of their race or political background, so that we can have an America 50, 60, 70 years from now. Look for at Remy, Remy at at Remy Adelike. You see it there in the lower right hand corner of the screen. I guess left hand corner, whatever direction you're looking at it. Yeah. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, Instagram is the same, right? Is that true? Yep. Yep. Instagram, all right. LinkedIn, all, all the same. Uh, hope have a great time tomorrow with Dwight. Please say hi to him for me, uh, and I'll see you soon. I see you soon. Thank you so much, right. Susan. Thank you so much, Doctor Drew and Caleb. I appreciate you all. Thank you for having me on. Thanks, man. Always a pleasure. And uh, everyone else, we'll see you tomorrow. Uh, let me want to put up what's coming up here, Caleb, very quickly. Uh, we have 3 o'clock tomorrow, uh, the 25th, Natalie Winters, and the 26th, Joseph Freeman. And then Caleb's going to, I mean, sorry, Kelly's going to take a couple shows on her own while we are out of the country for about 10 days. And uh, that's Dr. David Cortland coming on August 2nd. That's going to be early uh, at 12 p.m. Pacific time. Is that right? Yes, 12 p.m. Pacific time. But I'll see you tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor, and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help. Yeah.